A Pod of Tea podcast, your go-to place for tea and chats. I'm your host Emma and today I am on my lonesome. I'm going to have a lovely, snuggly cup of tea. I'm currently sat on my sofa. I've kind of mixed things up so I'm hoping this doesn't mess with the volume too much but I want to do a cosy one. So I'm on my sofa, I've got my blanket, I've got a hoodie on of which I have spilt copious amounts of sour cream down when I had my dinner, <laughs> which I'm sure you're all delighted to hear about. Um, but yeah, anyway, I'm not that much of a mess. I have cleaned up. Oh my God, my dinner was so good. Um, I made a salad. There was halloumi. There was roasted tomatoes from my garden. Um, pepper. I had spinach. I had red onion. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. It was wholesome. It is the kind of dinner you have when you do a big shop. So you know when you, uh, you go to the shops and you do your shop for the week or the month or however you guys do it and you have all this delicious food and you look at it in the fridge and you go yeah I'm gonna eat everything I'm gonna make a meal that encapsulates as much of the things in this fridge as I possibly can because it's all so delicious and also today I have got on the delicious note a red bush tea um so I yeah I call it red bush which tends to be the the British way I think um I have to pronounce it it's an Af- it's a South African tea and it's spelled kind of like rooibos, um, rooibos, but yeah, I've always called it red bush, and people I know who I've spoken to call it red bush, which I think is the translation, so it must come from some kind of red bush type plant, um, and it is quite red in colour, so I have today forgone the teapot, because of the cosy feels, I've just got the gigantic happiness's tea and cake mug, and I just thought, well, I'll just do that because it is just me tonight so I'll just have this this huge cup so grab a huge mug and we can sit and have a chat and discuss this red bush tea I'm gonna have a little smell oh it's so nice red bush tea is a really unique smelling tea if you haven't had it go get one and see what you think it is one of those things where it's quite I'd say quite a strong flavor quite a strong smell and it's very much of its own thing you get a lot of like different teas that taste like something else like even my favorite Earl Grey is you know the delightful Bogomon and um, you get like tea with lemon in you get tea with all sorts of flavors and you can get you know peppermint tea tastes like a peppermint plant which you get in lots of other things so you'd get that in a sweet like with a chocolate or something like that or in you know mint um, mint sauce <laughs> for a Sunday dinner redfish tea I don't have any other connotation for it other than it being red bush tea. It's not like an orange where you have an orange and then you have orange juice and you have orange cake and you have an orange sweet or I clearly like sugar. Um, <laughs> although you're not really going to have a savoury orange. Um, tell me if you do. So red bush tea is very much its own its own thing. And it's something that I seem to have had in phases. I go through a bit of a phase where I drink quite a lot of it and then I don't for ages. And I don't think I've drunk it for like almost a year or so and then I realized I had some I sorted the tea cupboard out I'm sure Jack is very pleased <laughs> we still are at a cupboard we don't need a shed for the tea and I was going through and I was like oh my gosh yeah that tea and that tea that I had and I had a little box of red red bush tea it is the English tea shop tea which you can get 
in a, I bought it for my friend once, a really nice selection pack. Um, it makes for a really good gift. You get all these tiny boxes of tea. And I feel like there's something like quite a few people have had. Um, a colleague at work brought in some boxes from it that, they, that they'd that they found and sort of ferreted away. You get those gifts at Christmas, don't you? The ones that you are really, like, really nice, but you kind of don't remember them. <laughs> and they go somewhere and then you find them later and you're like, ah, oh, shortbread, please still be in date. Uh, <laughs> so look, oh God, in dateness. Is this in date? It's in date! Everyone, give a cheer. This tea is in date. It goes out of date in 2020, and we are in 2019, my friends, so all is well there. So yeah, so I'm back on the Redbush tea train. I had a couple um, the other day, and I was like, oh, so good. There's no caffeine, so that, you know, I've talked about caffeine quite a lot on this podcast. It's something that I've, for some reason, gotten very aware of recently, I think, mostly because... Um, I do go through phases of drinking an awful lot of it. So this ticks the box of not having caffeine in, so you can have a nice warm tea feeling from something without caffeine. And it's a bit lighter, so I mean you can put milk in it. I have red bush tea black, so I have it all red. <laughs> I have it as it is, I don't put anything else in it. Um, but you can put in milk. I have had it with milk before and it was very nice, I just prefer it without. You could put in, treat it like any kind of black tea, really. You could have, I mean, it's not a black tea, but you could treat it like black tea. So you could put in honey, you could put in lemon, um, sugar if you've got a sweet tooth. And it would all be really, really nice. But I just, it's quite a nice tea to just have as as is. So it's very, it's brewed really nicely here. I've left the tea bag in the mug. So I'm just going to decant that to another cup. There she goes. And then bring this mug over. So let's have... Another smell. Oh yeah. Okay, from holding the mug too hot, I will burn my mouth on the podcast, so I'm not going to drink it just yet, but I'm really excited to. Really, really excited to. Viva la Redbush. I need to go out and buy a box of Redbush tea to to make up for the fact that I'm now drinking the last of this little box that I found. Um, so it's going to have lots of benefits as well, the Redbush tea. Um, Anti-inflammatory, it's meant to be good for that. It's meant to be, let's have a little look at what else. I know, like, I've known people when they felt a little bit poorly to have this this tea a lot. Um, yes, certainly, like, if you've got tummy aches, so similar to if you have a ginger tea or a peppermint tea, if you're feeling, if you your tummy's feeling a bit, like, it needs a little bit of love. So, yeah, South African tea. Called Red, I'm on Wikipedia, guys, that's where we're at right now. And, um, yeah known as Redbush Tea in predominantly in Great Britain, so that's why I call it Redbush Tea. Whoever introduced me to this tea called it that, and it's stuck. And it has been one of those things where I've looked at the box multiple times and gone, it doesn't look like how you spell Redbush, but okay. But um, yes, it's because that is the actual name of the tea, and Redbush is a translation. So lovely, lovely teas ahead. So we are celebrating autumn today, my friends, with the Redbush Tea as well. Nice autumnal colours because it's turned. We've gone out of the last bits of summer. There's a little hurrah of summer. I was in Bristol last weekend with my friend Charlie and we had a last little flurry of summer. We did a, we did a walk. There's a, a walk in Bristol that you can do um, along an old railway path and you can go from Bristol to Bath. You would probably want to go on a bicycle. There was quite a funny moment where Charlie was like, and then we'll walk to Bath. And then if, if we're tired, we can get a train back. And I was like, Charlie, that is a 15 mile track you're talking about. I don't think we're walking to Bath. We walked instead to a little uh, old train station 
where there was a toilet like the TARDIS from Doctor Who. And I was very excited by that. And it was like, all seemed like I was inside. I was like, this is not good if you, as it was the only toilet that I could see. And it <laughs> would create quite a queue, I think, because there's all sorts of little things that you could read on the inside. So either create a queue or have people be very suspicious about why you're spending so long in the toilet. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I digress. TARDIS toilet was very, very cool. And yeah, it's the last, you know, I was rocking around in just a t-shirt and it was really nice, and then I've come back to Norfolk, and it's gone chilly, it's, I've been rained on a lot, I work outside a reasonable amount, and it's, you know, the kind of year where my face tends to go, so if I've been out in the cold, and then I come into the wall, my face goes really red. I mean, I go red at a lot of things, I'm one of those people that just generally, you know, you look at me funny, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I blush. Um, but yeah, I kind of, if I've been out in the cold, I come into the wall, and I get that, like, really hot face feeling and it makes me want to nap which makes me kind of think maybe I should hibernate maybe I should just try hibernating one year but I just I love the colder climb I love the winter I'm naturally very warm and I find it a lot easier to get myself really warm than to cool down as you need to in the summer in the summer I'm good if I don't have to do anything if I can just lounge in my hammock Oh, my hammock. That I'm going to miss over winter. I bought a hammock this year and I love it so. Um, I would just lounge in my hammock all day um, listening to the birds and I'd be quite happy. Or go to the beach and swim. I love swimming in the sea. Love it, love it, love it. Um, but winter time, I just, it's more my jam. It is more my jam. So I've got my, my blanket and we're feeling cosy for the autumn times. I'm hoping the autumn times are going to bring a new, you know, change of season a new revitalizing feeling towards being creative. So I've talked about being creative um, before on this podcast and we're back into that jam and I'm trying to, I'm trying to make some more little changes to try and feel a bit more productive. It's a really catch-22 type thing because you want to relax. You know, you've been at work or you've had a hard day and you want to relax. But at the same time, I don't feel like the quality of relaxation that I have is as good if I haven't then done like a little something to better myself, be it yoga or the effort of drawing a bath, like something as relaxed. Even that, you know, sometimes you come in and it's like, oh, I could draw a bath or I could just sit and um, not <laughs> and just chill out. And actually that tends to be more detrimental. And the same thing is to be said with being creative. I find that I feel a lot better within myself once I've done it, but that it's the effort of actually doing it, of like getting myself going. So Jack um, and me were to school uh, discussing this and he set me a challenge. Uh, so I read a lot. I read a lot of books. I always have a book on the go. Um, predominantly fantasy books, but I read a lot of other books as well. Um, but yeah, and especially when I get to see now, this is the issue of fantasy books. They tend to be in a series and not a short series of that. Each book tends to be very large. And then as soon as I get hooked on a series, it's really hard to stop. And I've recently discovered Robin Hobb. I read her Farsia trilogy already. That was like a few months ago. And then a friend of mine went to a charity shop and found the uh, the ship, the ones about all the ships, if you've read them. And they're about ships that are made out of a type of wood called wizard wood and they quicken and then the ships are alive. So they've all got personalities and then, oh, there's so many things unfolding, which if you haven't read them, I don't want to spoil it for you, but um, it's got, is this a spoiler? I don't think so. It, you don't really find out till the second book, but I think it's like, if you're into this as I am, it would make you want to read it. 
there's some dragons. We got some dragons going on. And I just like dragons. I think dragons for me are what unicorns are for a lot of people at the moment. Um, it's that feeling of childhood and just excitement and kind of, yeah, reverting back to that kind of childlike feeling um, with dragons. I just find them very mystical and fantastical and um, wonderful. And I would like to meet one, please. <laughs> if you happen to know a dragon, send them my way. Blame Anne McCaffrey. I read them. I read a lot of Anne McCaffrey books. I think I mentioned them in the last podcast. I read Anne McCaffrey books at the in the formative years and decided that one day I need to find a dragon and fly. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I've read, I've read like the second book of the ship one, I've got one more to go, and I would get up, usually my routine will be to wake up in the morning, well, I've, I've been trying to do yoga in the morning recently, um, but if I don't do that, I read, I have to do something before I go to work. Jack set me the challenge of treating, so I'm writing a book, should probably have said that before the ramble about everyone else's books, but I'm writing a book, so this is the this is a big challenge at the moment, um, and I've been writing this book for years, and by writing, I mean I started the book, and then decided that I started the book completely in the wrong time, and I need to start the book thousands of years earlier from when I started the book, so I, I did that, and then I started writing the book again, and then I decided, no, it's terrible, I don't like it, so then I stopped, and now this is the third iteration. Um, so it's all set in the same world with the same kind of like laws and everything, but I've just sort of danced around the characters a bit and danced around the time frame because, yeah, as you do, and deciding which is the best one. So now I've landed on this this time frame, these characters, and I'm trying to, to stick with it. And I just need to write, decided in my head, I need to write a full draft. And if I can get one done, if I can get from start to finish... I can then go back and edit and be critical, but I think right now it's very important to let that inner saboteur that tells you everything you write is awful and no one's ever going to find it entertaining, you know, the kind of, I didn't like to be a negative person, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that I get those, you know, confident hit, uh, confidence hits quite often where I go, oh, actually, you know, maybe you're not very good. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to be the best at writing, but... Certainly, if I don't try, if I don't actually write the book, then I'm not even giving it a chance. It's like when people say about winning the lottery, isn't it? You're not going to win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. So I'm not going to give my book a chance of being read. You know, even if one person read it and they liked it, that would be wonderful. Not me, though. <laughs> someone else, and not Jack. He's not allowed to count either. So someone else needs to read the book, and if they like it, then it's worth doing. So he sent me the challenge, full circle, of not reading and trying to treat my book with the same feeling of relaxation and escapism as I do when I read everyone else's books, which is an interesting concept. It's an interesting experiment. Not gonna lie, I have book withdrawal, folks. I woke up two mornings ago and I sat there and I didn't have enough time to do yoga. I was, I was staying quite late at work, so I decided I was gonna get up. Oh, it was yesterday. Oh, it feels so long, so long ago. Um, I decided I was going to have a bit of a lay-in because I was going to be at work till quite late. I needed to wait for it to go dark to check some lights out. Super fun. And I woke up and I made my tea and I got back into bed and I was left with my own thoughts. So, you know, I don't like scrolling on my phone too much. There's That's a bit of a, a thing that I've acknowledged that can be quite a bad habit because I'm letting a lot of information seep in in a very like quick way.
that maybe isn't the most healthy way of absorbing all of that information. So I try not to sort of wake up and then to start scrolling through my phone instantly and spend 20 minutes doing that and then get out of bed. Um, so what I stopped doing was doing that and instead I was reading. So now I couldn't read, I didn't want to scroll through my phone, I just have to sit there, sit there with my cup of tea, very much enjoying the tea, and I was sort of left with my thoughts and I did, I felt really lost. I wasn't sure what to do with myself. I felt like I wasn't using that time properly and I also didn't feel like there was enough time to pick up my book and start writing that. So I just sort of sat for 10 minutes and there's a lot to be said at the moment for like meditation and mindfulness. I see a lot of stuff about that out there. And I think maybe that could possibly have been a moment and maybe was a moment, but I was just adjusting to it where you just need to think and allow yourself to sort of be for a bit. Um, it's interesting, I think. I've just had an epiphany, folks. It's interesting, because I, I see so many people talking about like mindfulness and, and meditation and things. Um, not that I know how to meditate or really what it entails, but I imagine it's, it's involving sort of sitting and not doing much and thinking. So not doing much physically, I mean, and letting internal things happen. Um, perhaps... And I've kind of looked at it before and gone, oh, you know, why do you need to, I think all the time, I you know, drive my car and I sit there and I think, but I've got music on and I'm like, oh yeah, but then I you know, sit on the sofa, but maybe the television's on or maybe something else is engaging me. There is very few moments in the day where you just sit and you don't really do anything other than allow your mind to think. Aside from, I guess, when you start to fall asleep. So maybe I was thinking along those lines. But even then, when you start to fall asleep, it's a different way of thinking, isn't it? You're you're trying to let go of being conscious. You're trying to let go of um, being thoughtful. You're trying to relax. And quite often, I'll go off in my head and make up a little story. And that's how I fall asleep. So again, yeah, trying to be in the moment, I guess, and, and thinking and thinking about serious things or like, you know, stuff that's actually going on and processing that. Is probably quite an important thing to do. So that is, uh, that's what I discovered. I've just, you know, it's one of those moments with uh, with this podcast right now where I'm going, I feel like I'm having a conversation with you, listener, dear listener, and I'm not letting you have a word in edgeways, um, <laughs> which I apologise for. So if I could hear you, I'd let you talk back. If I could hear you right now, though, that would be quite worrying. So let's, let's hope that I don't. I'm going to have a sip of my tea. Oh, that's so nice. Really nice. Why haven't I been drinking this for the past few months? It's lovely. It's quite almost a fruity taste, but not not in terms of, like, you say fruit with tea, and I automatically think of, like, a berry tea. So not as fruity as all that, but it's it's got, like, a little a little kick, a little lift to it, and then a kind of a more earthy taste that goes with it as well. Yeah, it kind of kind of dances around in your mouth, those, those, those tastes. And as I say, because there's not anything to ground it to in like other things that I eat, it's just a, quite an experience of drinking it and going, oh, this is just, this is the flavour of this thing. I remember when I first tried it, I didn't like it. I think that's the way with most stuff, isn't it? Until your palate becomes more, uh, of a, my palate was quite late to becoming um, mature, I think. You know, as a child, you eat very simple simple foods and they do say it's because your like your taste receptors um can't quite handle all of it when you're a child and you get older and you can you can try more things because your mouth will like allow you to like it a bit more 
Um, the thing that happened to me quite late, I, I had a lot of preconceived notions about what I didn't and didn't like um, when I was in my teenage years. And then I grew up, uh, it sort of hit like the 20s. And I was like, oh, maybe I should test this. Maybe I should actually try the broccoli before I say that I don't like the broccoli. And now I'm going to be honest, I don't think there's really much that I don't like. Olives, I remember. Can you remember the first time that you liked an olive? Did you eat an olive and go, mmm, delicious? Or did you eat an olive and go, what a, like, what is that? I remember because they look like a grape. They kind of are the size of a grape. And then you eat it. Nothing like a grape. <laughs> Nothing like a grape at all. And it was one of those, I remember olives being something where I was like, no, I don't like them. And then, but then they're always there, aren't they? You go to a restaurant, you go around someone's house, every now and then an olive appears and you go, oh, maybe this time. Because everyone raves about them. Maybe today's the day that we'll like an olive. And I can't even remember the transition between me wanting to like olives and actually liking olives. And I can tell you now for sure, I adore olives. Olives are delicious. They're so nice. So similar with this tea, there was a transformative moment where I was like, actually, I really do like red bush tea. Oh, this is a giant mug. This is a huge mug of tea. Did you ever watch Friends? And do you remember the mugs that were in there? I remember my big sister, when she moved out, she got um, mugs, well, teacup. I guess technically, technically, they're a teacup. Um, just a really large one, and she got some just like it, and I thought they were ever so cool. And now I'm living the dream with this giant mug just here. I'm going to, um, I really do need to get things into gear and do some videos for you guys soon so you can see some of my my teaware. I love teapots. I think they're adorable. Um, I have, like, I'm not crazy teapot lady yet, but I'm close. Like, I have more teapots than I think an average person has teapots. Um, <laughs> but I definitely, some of them weren't a video. I'm looking at one now. I've got it on one of my shelves. And it's a Midsummer Night's Dream one. I've never used it for tea. This is a, oh goodness, yeah. It's Visions of the Future, isn't it? This is a purely decorative teapot because it is so beautiful. I don't want to put tea in it. Um, just in case, you know, it can't fulfill its life destiny, I'm afraid, teapot up there. Um, but yeah, it's got a scene, it's got the scene when Titania is in love with uh, Bottom when he's been turned into a donkey in Midsummer Night's Dream on the front of it. Midsummer Night's Dream is my favourite Shakespeare play, by far. It's wonderful. Well, maybe not by far, there's some others that are like quite close, but that one, I think, I think it's a lot of people's favourites because it is just so fantastical and so lovely. And you can interpret in so many different ways. I saw the Royal Shakespeare Company do a production of it when I was in school. I had a really amazing English teacher. Did you ever have that teacher who completely believes in you and makes you feel like anything is possible? And yeah, I had one of those and that was my English teacher in secondary school. And she would take us on trips to, the, uh, to see the Royal Shakespeare Company. She took us twice. In fact, I think Geek Emma coming out here, I think actually she took a certain year group every year and me being me, wrangled my way onto the next trip so I could go again. So I saw Romeo and Juliet and I saw Midsummer's Night's Dream. That was a fun noise. And they did it kind of like almost gothic with the fairies, which was nice. And they had this, and I don't know what the trick was, but they had this huge what was like a mirror. It felt like a projection trick, but perhaps like a more Victorian projection trick where there wasn't actually cameras involved, but there was like mirrors to reflect Oberon's face up into this big, huge disc 
and it was incredible. It was really good. But yeah, so that is the scene depicted on that teapot. So I'll have to show everyone my crockery soon, I think. So interestingly on the box, it does say that you can ice this tea as well. I've seen this on a few different teas at the moment that it says, oh, this is the option to ice the tea. I've not done it before. I think I've mentioned like a recipe that I found in uh, BBC Good Food that said about iced tea. So I think I really need to give that a go. So I'll, I'll do that soon and record it. Apart from my, which I definitely discussed my failed attempt at making iced tea without bothering to look at any kind of recipe <laughs> a few years ago, um, which did not taste good. Um, maybe if I follow the actual instructions on the box, it'll be a bit, it'll be a bit nicer. But yeah, coming up on Pod of Tea in the future, we've got, so uh, continuing the journey to becoming a tea master, tea champion, a tea Jedi, if you will. Um, I have bought another black tea that kind of falls into those category of teas that all kind of blend together in my mind. So we did the Assam tea, and I want to say, I have now forgotten which one is, which one is it? Lapsam, Lapsam tea? Oh my gosh, is that a tea? Right, guys, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to go and check what tea I've got because I'm pretty sure Lapsang is the character from a Terry Pratchett book. So, one moment. And she's back. Yeah, Lapsang is definitely a character from a book which I've now called tea and completely not the same word at all. The tea that I have is Darjeeling. Darjeeling, everyone. Not Lapsang. Um, what does Lapsang mean? I must check this out. Hold on. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, Lapsang is a tea. So there is a tenuous link um, as to why I said Lapsang. Lapsang Sushong, sometimes referred to as a smoked tea, is a black tea. Okay, so we'll get some Lapsang next maybe. But first up on the list, we've got Darjeeling, um, which we'll be doing on the journey to being a tea master. So I'll get Jack on, um, I'll wait for Jack to be free so we can carry on on that with him because I feel like we're doing this as a journey as a couple. Um, and then very excitingly, I am going to be um, tomorrow in, in my time, but in two weeks time for you guys, there will be a episode with uh, one Charlotte Harding. And I have talked about Charlotte multiple times so far on here because she is the one who got me into tea. So what a hero she is. I met her at university, and I won't go into too much because I'm sure we'll discuss it um, on the podcast, but Charlotte offered me my first cup of tea, and I took that tea, and it is all history from there. Charlotte is wonderful. She is a composer, and a very good composer at that, so we've got lots of interesting things to talk about. Similar, It'll be more similar to the episode I did with Mike Tharm, who, by the way, Jack showed me a clip of his animation that he has, um, I don't know if it's like a bit of a test or like just a section of it that he's got done, and it's amazing. So I need to make sure I retweet that on the Pod of Tea Twitter account. I'm gonna be honest, I've been a bit lapsed on the social medias. I'm not that good at it. This is why I could never get into marketing. Um, I just, I'm not, I'm not too good at keeping up with it. I have little bursts where I get really excited, like I did, like tea hour. Every Tuesday, it comes to a bit later, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot tea hour. If you're someone who's on social media on a Tuesday at, I think, 7 o'clock, click on the hashtag tea hour, and it's just lovely. Um, I must remember to try and do that this week, so I'll try and get a little bit more on my Instagram and my Twitter account for you all. But yes, so we'll have Charlotte Harding coming up, and oh yeah, and so I will, I will retweet 
um, and put some bits out of Mike's work. If you listen to that episode and you're interested in what he's doing, because it looks really, really cool, it's combining dinosaurs in space. What more do you want? Um, yeah, so I'm going to enjoy the rest of my red bush tea. So if you haven't had a red bush tea, I definitely recommend it. The English tea shop version, lovely. It is one of those teas where I kind of like, I'm yet to find a red bush where I go, oh, that is an exemplary red bush tea. They kind of all have tasted the same to me, but I'm pretty sure you can get different variants of quality and things like that. It's not like, you know how you can get, you know, your classic English breakfast tea, not even English breakfast tea, just black tea here in the UK. You can buy, I think, a pack of that for like 24p in Asda. Or it used to be, who knows with how the prices are going now, but um, you could, yeah, you said, and then you drink that, and then you drink like a really good brand, and you can definitely taste the difference. You could, you could get a taste the difference one from Sainsbury's and compare it, and it's, yeah, there, there is a difference there. Whereas with Redbush, yeah, I haven't really noticed a difference in brands, but then again, I haven't had that many different ones. I'll let you know when I get, because um, as I say, I'm gonna have to get a box so I can, this is the kind of tea you could have as you would your regular, whatever your go-to tea is, this can add into that ensemble. You can just be chilling out or you can be at work or whatever. And if you want just a cup of tea, this is a great option. If you want something that's a bit lighter that maybe you don't wanna have milk in, um, and certainly if you don't want to have caffeine. So, viva la Redbush. Thank you for listening, everyone. And please do tune in next week, because it's going, next week, next fortnight, because it is going to be a really fun episode with one Charlotte Harding. So until then, everyone, toodaloo. Goodbye. <laughs>